All right, hello, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis, the Thursday, the NFL edition of Unqualified Analysis. This is week, what is it, 10? Yeah, week 10 recap going on there for you. Um, yeah, we got we got a lot of stuff to get to. I mean, we got fired coaches. Uh, we got resurgent teams uh, because of fired coaches, not necessarily because of, but we'll get to that uh, really off the top of the show once we get to the... Uh, what's it called? The the recap, if you will, the NFL stuff. First and foremost, a little bit of housekeeping to do. Well, not really housekeeping. We got to go, you know, double back to the college stuff. First and foremost, uh, as I type in the uh, the crux of this issue here. Uh, yeah, I, I just I just totally messed that up. It's hard to type and talk, folks. It's um a little predicament I found myself in right here. Ah, yes, here we go. But first and foremost, kind of just brought it up briefly and then just breezed right past it. So I'll hit it here quickly in like the, you know, the quick two-minute edition. What the hell? I get the get get this shit off of my fucking screen right now. Get get, get out of here. Unlock full power. Get, get leave. Move. Get the get your ass off my screen. Alright, well, you've you've lost my business, CBS Sports. What what is going on right now? What I mean, you're just you're. I'm trying to look up the college football playoff rankings, folks. I tried to I tried to make it all sneaky and whatnot, but no, we're just we're going straight to the site. We're going straight to the horse's mouth to figure them out. Uh, we'll get get there when we get there. First and foremost, brought it up on the last episode briefly and talking about Lane Kiffin, then just completely forgot about it. Great podcast host, I know that that's me right now. Um, but. Circling back around to it, some audio um, surfaced with I forget the I forget the player's name. Um, I guess it, it does matter. I'm a bad podcast host. We we know this though. We we, we know this. Uh, but yeah, some audio surfaced last week, um, non coincidentally at the same time that the player filed a lawsuit or a motion by either Ole Miss or Lane Kiffin's representation uh, to uh, drop the lawsuit came out. Uh, really, it was it was obviously a posturing move by the kid's representation. Obviously, the kid himself did not put this out. Uh, the kid made the recording, but uh, did not put it out himself. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The recording itself uh, basically was um, Lane Kiffin just going ham on a kid pretty much for um, not showing up for two weeks. Um, having a well, quote unquote, men, quote, me, eh, quote unquote, mental health crisis, which fine in and of itself. If you got mental health issues, that's okay. Uh, what isn't okay is that the kid went pretty much a wall for two straight weeks, then finally came back uh, and, and met with Lane Kiffin. And by that point, the damage is done. Then you hear on this recording, Lane Kiffin uh, basically cussing the kid out. Uh, saying, yeah, you're off the team. Go look up your rights. Yes, we can kick you off the team for for not showing up. The kid, you know, it, it was kind of uncomfortable to listen to. Kids started crying and all that. So you don't got to be disrespectful, coach. And you basically just said, get out. Get like, what world are you living in? Get the fuck out of here, pretty much. I, well, already dropped an f bomb about like two minutes into the show, but here we are. Um, yeah, it was it was one of those things where yes, it's it's kind of a nuanced thing because yeah, this is meant to. Quite clearly, it, it is meant to, you know, paint Lane Kiffin in a bad light, uh, paint him as he's not serious about mental health. He doesn't really, he doesn't really take mental health issues seriously and stuff like that. Ultimately, though, 
mental health comes first. I mean, first and foremost, I understand that. I've had my my own varied issues that we don't need to get into right here. But just no, I under I understand. Sometimes you're anxious as hell. You're stressed out. You're depressed. Whatever it may be. It does not excuse you from going completely missing, not responding to texts or anything, uh, not wanting to see the coach. I get not wanting to see the coach, but if the coach is any bit of worth a damn and cares about the kids at all, you can get in there. He'll listen to you. And if you got to say, okay, my mental health is suffering right now, I I may need to take a sabbatical. Going to be a hard sell. I'm not going to not going to beat around the bush here as in a very competitive environment, in a college football environment. Going to be a hard sell to uh, while everyone else is working their ass off for uh, a week or two uh, to say, hey, I got to I got to go take a break and take care of myself. Unless you were actually admitted to a mental health facility, that's a whole different issue entirely. If you just would have communicated with Lane Kiffin, though, I feel like the kid would still be on the team. The fact that he didn't communicate, and that it, it's all okay if you communicate with the head coach. And communication is the number one thing. It's it's the most important thing in life. Definitely the most important thing in this situation is communicating, letting people know what's on your mind, letting people know what the situation is. If he would have done that, if he would have been forthright with Lane Kiffin from the very beginning, I don't think we're in this situation. I think the kid is probably still on the team, but. You can't disappear for two weeks. I, and this is this is coming from a Mississippi State fan talking about the Ole Miss head coach. I could be burying the guy right now, calling him an absolute scumbag, but I'm not doing that because, honestly, Lane Kiffin was totally in the right. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with what he did. And you can quibble about the language and all that stuff he used. Going to a, a garden variety locker room, I'm talking not even just like a college locker room. Just go into a high school locker room, any garden variety locker room you want to find. Uh, coaches are talking like that, man. That's just that's just how it goes in a competitive uh, physical sport environment like that. You're going to get some untoward language. You're going to get some very straight talk that may be uncomfortable for the average person to hear. But for football players and people that are actually in and around the game, makes a lot of sense. It's pretty run of the mill, pretty garden variety stuff right there. So I have pretty much no problem with uh with anything Lane Kiffin did or said in the in the audio it was one kind of a scumbag moved and i know it's it's legal in in mississippi to do that you, people i've have looked up the uh have looked up the laws and whatnot it's it's legal to it's a one one party consent state which means you can record somebody without their knowledge in mississippi uh so there there is that the, the kid was legally in the right, still big time scumbag move to do that, knowing that later you could hang this over his head, a uh, little, little carrot to dangle there like some blackmail, which obviously he tried to do. And it seems like Lane Kiffin said, go ahead. Um, I got a pretty good idea. I'll be vindicated in the end there. So I, I, I think this is a pretty blatant attempt. I think I'm, I'm getting it like a week late at this point. So everyone's already beaten this horse to death. But I think um, 75 to 80 percent of the discourse was saying, "Okay, this kid." Um, and I, I, I should emphasize, not really this kid. It's the kid's representation that decided to, uh, you know, get a, a court of public opinion move uh, to try and, you know, sway this case in their favor. And by the way, they're suing. I think it's Ole Miss. I don't think it's Lane Kiffin directly. I think they're suing Ole Miss for 40 million dollars. And um, yeah, right. Conveniently, this came out right as the as Ole Miss or Lane Kiffin, whoever is the the plaintiff in this situation or defendant rather, not the plaintiff. Sorry, legal terms are a little fuzzy in my mind. Uh, decided to throw it out. Uh, try, decided to motion to throw out the case. Not uh, not a um, uh, not an unintentional timing of the release of that audio. 
pretty clear this is a this is a pure and simple uh, legal move. Also, if you want to talk about the the kids' well being. Kids still on scholarship at Ole Miss right now. Not on the team, still on scholarship, and they do not need to do that. They're not they're not obligated to keep the kid on the on scholarship, from what I understand, after he's off the team. Kind of kind of tells you you're wishing for the best for the kid, uh, but can't have you on the team when you're going AWOL for two weeks. With that said, though, I've already spent entirely too much time on that. Uh, people have beaten that horse to death over the course of the past week or so. We'll just keep it moving from there. There's no need to, to harp on that longer than we need to. College football playoff rankings, though, um, ended up being right on the money with my predictions in the last episode. We had Georgia at one, Ohio State at two after Georgia had, I mean, Back-to-back really impressive wins versus uh, Missouri and then uh, Ole Miss just running both of them off the field, quite frankly. Um, got another big test on, on the road at Neyland, uh this coming week. Won't belabor that point, though. But with, uh, with that, Georgia looking as dominant as they have been on both sides of the ball. Clearly just a better team than Ohio State, so they're rightly at the number one team in the nation right now. Uh, then, of course, Ohio State. Uh, Michigan stands pat at three. Florida State, four and so on and so forth from there. It, it all has stayed pretty much uh, pat uh, in the top eights. Um, I think Missouri moved up a spot to nine. I, I don't remember if they were uh, nine or 10 last week, but they beat the hell out of Tennessee, so all understandable there. Louisville moves up to 10. Um, 11, Oregon State. 12, Penn State. 13, Ole Miss. Uh, 14, Oklahoma. 15 LSU, 16 Iowa. Shout out the Hawkeyes. Tough news, Cooper DeGene. I think he uh, he either broke his foot, tore a ligament, something with a foot injury. Probably going to be done for the regular season. Unclear as to whether he'll show up for the bowl, but that's pretty much their best player. I mean, uh, white cornerback who is projected to be a first round pick next year. That, that tells you how much of a baller this guy is um, over there with the Iowa Hawkeyes. He will not be uh, playing for the rest of the season. Tough. Tough, but they're number 16 ranked team in the nation. Arizona, shout out Jed Fish. Hey, what's up? What's up, Jed? I uh, hear, your, hear your, uh, your university's fallen on some hard financial times. They had an oopsie uh-oh that led to a $250 million budget deficit over there with uh, with Arizona. So sad, so sad. Here there's cuts coming to your, uh, your athletic program. You know, just a, just a thought. There's no cuts coming down in Mississippi State. I'll tell you that right now, but I digress. Uh, Tennessee at number 18. Uh, Notre Dame 19, North Carolina 20, Kansas State at 21, Utah 22, Oklahoma State still clinging on to that ranking at 23, Tulane 24, and Kansas also uh, holding on to a ranking at 25 right now. Um, Feels like there should be more movement coming up here soon, Uh, especially big time matchup this coming week between Washington and Oregon State. That's number five team, number 11 team, respectively, and Oregon State hosting that thing, I feel like this is a big-time upset spot for, for Washington. It's not even really an upset because Vegas has Oregon State favored with how badly Washington has played and really how explosively Oregon State has play, played. I mean, with how heavy run their offense is, um, they're one of the more explosive offensive teams in the entire country right now. People wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have thought that. But yeah, one of the more explosive offensive teams in the entire country. And passing-wise, too, not just running game-wise. And they're facing a terrible Washington uh, passing defense. So this could be the spot where Washington slips up. Um, and Oregon State very much alive in the Pac-12 title hope help, uh, hunt right now. Um, they got two big-time games to end off the season these next two weeks between Washington and Oregon. That's going to be something to watch. But, uh, yeah, once again, 
nothing really controversial. The top six has not changed one iota since the first rankings came out. So, I mean, really the top eight hasn't changed at all since the first rankings came out. Um, but that could change dramatically uh, however these next couple weeks play out, especially uh, when it comes to the SEC championship with Alabama and Georgia. That one's locked in at this point. Uh, if Alabama wins that, I've, I've maintained it doesn't matter what the hell Texas does. If Alabama wins that, I think they are the, uh, they are the ones that are going to get in the college football playoff because these first couple rankings, you're here to kind of appease the crowd with obviously the Texas versus Alabama head-to-head matchup. Matters on the resume, yada, yada, yada. At the same time, though, you look at Texas, you look at Alabama, tell me which one is playing better, and it's it's Alabama. No question about it. They've gotten better every single week. Texas kind of floundering at this point. We're going to have to see what happens with Jonathan Brooks uh, out for the year, uh, star running back there with Texas. Um, could very easily at the end of this thing flip around uh, in Alabama's favor. Beating George is a lot easier said than done, though. But I think we've wrung just about all we can out of that. Let's uh, let's get a quick uh, sip of coffee. My sip, I mean gulp. Let's go for round two, man. That's just good coffee. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good right there. Let's get to some NFL stuff, shall we? Week ten. And we are uh, starting at the very end of the week on Monday night because uh, a lot of stuff happened here. Uh, I want to see the final score here. Broncos uh, beat the Bills, I mean, struggling Bills, uh, 24-22. to Broncos now improved to 4-5, and five, very much in the hunt for the AFC playoffs. They're on quite a tear. And that defense that got just torched early in the season, you may remember them giving up 70 uh, to the Miami Dolphins. Vance Joseph has got the boys playing. I mean, they got... A lot of stuff good going on for them there uh, with the Denver Broncos. They went 24-22 to over the Buffalo Bills. And uh, really, it comes down to turnovers at the end of the day. I mean, Buffalo lost two fumbles. Uh, Josh Allen didn't. That, that can't be right. Yeah, what? Oh, yeah, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Uh, two fumbles, two interceptions for the Buffalo Bills. Meanwhile, um Lost one uh, fumble, did the Denver Broncos, but uh, won the turnover margin four to one. And in most games where you win the turnover margin like that, you're going to win the damn game. And that's exactly what they did in this one. Zero sacks, but did not matter. They they held the Buffalo Bills down uh, quite admirably in this one. And as a result, Bills fall to five and five. They are on quite a skid right now. They have lost three of their last four games, um, four of their last six. They have lost as well after starting the season off three and one. Uh, this is just a team that's kind of broken right now. And um, to, to underscore all of that, you got news on Monday morning, which frankly shocked me uh, that the Buffalo Bills had fired uh, Ken Dorsey. And especially since... I'm not sure the offense was necessarily the problem in this one. Ultimately, it came down at the very end to, um, you may remember if you were watching this game, in the first half, at the very end of the first half, uh, the Broncos ran a successful NASCAR field goal where basically uh, you get a catch, uh, inbounds, clock is running, you got to rush the field goal unit on there because you don't got any timeouts. You got to set up and you got to kick the field goal. Worked out perfectly to perfection. In the first half, uh, they make the field goal going into halftime. In the second half, at the very end of the game, uh, the Broncos, I'm not entirely sure what the game plan was. I think you probably could have kicked that field goal with 
Um, you know, 20 some seconds left after the Bills take their final timeout. Um, and you didn't have to run that, that last kneel play. You could have just kicked the field goal um, or ran a quick out to the sidelines to try and get a little bit more, uh, a little bit closer to the field goal there for Will Lutz. And then, you know, had a leisurely 40 second trot out to the, uh, the field for Will Lutz to go out there and kick a game winner. Instead, they decided to run NASCAR package again because uh, they, you know, worked out so well for him at the end of the first half. Will Lutz goes out there, uh, initially misses the, uh, the the field goal to win the game. But lo and behold, uh, DeMar Hamlin, not his fault. I think there are probably a, a lineman in there somewhere that, that fucked up as far as the, uh, um, the, the personnel is concerned. Uh, moral of the story, though, there were 12 guys in the field. One of those guys was not supposed to be there. I'm guessing it's not DeMar Hamlin because, yeah, j- just because they, they counted on the broadcast and DeMar Hamlin was the 12th guy does not mean that he was the guy that wasn't supposed to be out there. I think um, could be, could not be. I don't think we'll ever really figure that out as far as who wasn't supposed to be there because why the hell would a coach ever put that information out there to put a player on blast? But really... That's that's pretty much what lost them the game because Denver Broncos get a second chance after missing that field goal. Will Lutz comes back out, nails the game-winning field goal as time expires, so Denver Broncos win. If they don't get that 12-man penalty, um, Bills walk away with a 22-21 win. Ken Dorsey probably keeps his job as offensive coordinator, I would imagine, for the Buffalo Bills. And that's just a real swinging doors moment. Uh, crazy, crazy butterfly effect there uh, from the 12th man, 12 man penalty uh, to getting that, that second attempt at a field goal. I crazy, crazy ending there. There's really nothing else to say about that, which kind of brings me to yes, I think there's been some legitimate criticism of the offense, and if you look at the overall statistics, haven't been bad. Ultimately, have been a top 10 offense in pretty much uh, every deep statistical category. Uh, the problem with that is if you don't use your eyes and you just you know look at the numbers, obviously it's a very efficient offense. The problem is when you look with your with your specialized there, you don't just look at a spreadsheet. You can see it's it has not worked well for for a variety of reasons. Um, Dan Orlovsky brings up the point that um, it's one of the most predictable offenses in the entire league, which um, I, he kind of laid out pretty in detail. I would I would uh, encourage you to go look at his hit on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, where he pretty much laid out in detail that, yeah, it's a very predictable scheme. And teams were able to key on uh, what they're doing in that scheme. Uh, But really, yes, there are some legitimate criticisms of Ken Dorsey. It's not all his fault. Like, name me one good offensive draft pick that that the, the Bills have had in the past, I mean, five years, really. I mean, I can't, I can't really name one. I mean, James Cook is is okay. I mean, he fumbled on the very first play of the game, but ended up with over 100 yards uh, on the game as well. And they ran the ball fairly effectively in this one. So there, there is that. But I mean, outside of that, as far as a wide receiver is concerned, yeah, Dalton Kincaid looks like he's working out. Um, but as far as a second receiver after Stephon Diggs, they never really got a guy in there. I mean, Gabe Davis is good, but... Um, really, you don't know when he's going to show up. You don't know how consistent he's going to be. Um, offensive line's been playing well, but they're, you know, they haven't been added to in, in quite some time in a meaningful way in the draft. And 
on the defensive side, not really great draft picks over there as well outside of Greg Rousseau. I mean, Kyrie Elams was a, I mean, healthy scratch for a lot of the season thus far, and he's he he was a first round draft pick. So there there is some some criticism to go around, and I understand on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the, the injuries they sustained in the middle of the, the front seven there between Matt Milano, uh, Daquan Jones, uh, Vaughn Miller still not looking the same after that coming back from that ACL injury. Um, there's a lot of blame to go around here, but I don't know. This feels like a weird spot to uh, to fire your offensive coordinator in, especially with the, the stats that I laid out. And again, yes, there is some blame to, to go on Ken Dorsey here. And I think he, his offensive scheme is far from perfect, but the personnel didn't necessarily help him out. And quite frankly, the head coach who's coordinating the defense hasn't really helped him out a whole lot either this year. And I don't think you go as far as uh, to fire, uh, almost said Doug McDermott, Sean McDermott. Uh, is it Sean? Yeah, Sean McDermott. Um, I don't. I don't think you go as far as to, as to fire him. I think that's been a pretty popular thing to float out there. Um, I would say if there's anyone that should be on the hot seat, I mean Brandon Bean has not done a very good job of of one acquiring free agents and two drafting uh, quality offensive players. He's not really been able to fill out a receiving core uh, that you can sustain and uh, consistent offensive success. There's no guy outside of. You could say Dalton Kincaid. Um, there's no guy in the in the wide receiver core that you look at and say, okay, that's a guy that can move the sticks. You don't got like uh, you don't got a slot guy like a Cooper Cup, uh, like a Puka Nakua at the very beginning of this season, um, uh, like a Cole Beasley in in past iterations of this team. You don't have that guy that you can just work the underneath uh, short to intermediate routes on on third downs, third down and mediums, third down and shorts. That you know, okay, this guy if we need him to. Uh, you can use Stefan Diggs to kind of clear it out a little bit. We can use this guy in one-on-ones uh, to to move the chains. You just don't have that guy in there anymore. So I just I don't I don't love this move. I don't I don't love uh, Ken Dorsey getting the axe. Feels like he was a big time fall guy. Um, I I don't know what's going on behind closed doors though. Maybe maybe there's like a, not a very good culture fit over there. Uh, maybe there was some butting of heads with uh, the head coach. Um, quarterback, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's it's really just a strange situation that kind of underscores the the dysfunction this year uh, for the Buffalo Bills now at five and five and they have, I mean, a, a gauntlet of a schedule left here. Well, I mean, let me just read off. Got the Jets next week at home, which should be a win, but that Jets defense is disgusting, filthy, nasty. And, uh, you know, if the offense can, you know, show even a, a modicum of a pulse, uh, they'll keep it close at the very least. So there, there is that uh, this coming week. And then it, it just ramps up from there. They have, they're at the, Chief, at, no, at the Eagles, at the Chiefs, hosting the Cowboys, at the Chargers, got the Patriots, which, you know, that, not, not bad at all. Then you are at the Dolphins to end off the season. That is, I'm counting uh, one, two, three, four, five. And if you count the Jets, six games where victory is far from certain. And I would imagine, it, especially with uh, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, uh, Dolphins at this point, uh, probably games where you're not going to be favored. You're not going to be expected to win those games. So this is a this is a, a weird spot for the Buffalo Bills. And especially if they end up mi- missing the playoffs, no one's job is safe. I mean, I wouldn't fire McDermott. I, I'm I'm probably you know, a little bit more patient than the average uh, football owner, football GM. But 
McDermott's not safe. Bean's not safe. The only people that are safe are probably, well, uh, Stefan Diggs has got some rhetoric out there from his brother talking about, you know, 14 got to get up out of there. Uh, but uh, outside of that sort of rhetoric aside, I mean, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are pretty much the two guys that you would not, you would consider untouchable. Neither of those guys are in the coaching staff. So this could get a, even more, as uncomfortable as it is right now at the Buffalo Bills. It has a lot of room to get a lot more uncomfortable. So uh, that'll be a situation to monitor going forward. Weird times in Buffalo. As far as the Denver Broncos are concerned, I mean, they're sitting pretty right now. Four and five, very much in the playoff discussion. I've got a, got a matchup with the Vikings next Sunday night, which hope they lose, quite frankly. Uh, then they got the Browns, who we'll, we'll talk about them in just a second. They got serious injury concerns at quarterback right now. They're probably going to be starting a rookie going forward again. We'll get to all that in a second. Then they're at the Texans, which Texans are playing well, but you know, oh goodness, I'm sorry, gassy as hell right now. Uh, Texans could, um, you know, feel like Texans are going to be favored because it's on the road, but Broncos could take that one from them. Um, really, this this three game stretch after the uh, the Browns game where they are on the road at the Texans, at the Chargers, and at the Lions. That is going to tell the tale of, uh, of what this season is um, as far as the, the Denver Broncos' playoff chances are concerned. Because after that, yes, they have the Chargers again, but they face the Patriots and they're at the Raiders. So, I mean, a lot of room for the uh, for upper mobility for the Denver Broncos. Seems like they, got, like they got something going on right now. Three straight wins after starting the season one and five. Um, and those wins came over the Packers, Chiefs, and Bills. I the Sean Payton's got the boys playing right now. I mean, I, I told you all to start the season, and this is, wasn't necessarily a hot take, but he's going to get the boys uh, in position. I don't know if uh, if Russell Wilson is the quarterback, and I don't know if this team is necessarily good enough around uh, Russell Wilson and the, the, the defense and all that sort of stuff to actually make a run, but... I think he's going to get the most out of what this team can give him, and they just seem to be getting better every single week, and now they're starting to get wins to show for it. A team to watch going forward, no question about it right now. Uh, we move on. Let's uh, let's let's rein this in. Let's get back to uh, the very start of the week. Uh, Panthers and Bears played one of the saddest primetime games you could possibly imagine. I mean, the billing uh, was just lived up to and then some. Uh, Bears end up getting a win 16-13 at home. Just disgusting. I don't want to spend more time on this game than I absolutely have to. It's just, yeah, I mean, and the Panthers, they they gave their first round pick away to the Bears for that number one overall pick as well. So right now, Bears are in pole position to get that number one overall pick. Um, As far as their own draft pick is concerned, if they keep winning like this, they're going to be, you know, falling to the bottom half of the top 10 if they're not careful. But so long as the Panthers keep losing, I don't think they care that much uh, over there with the Chicago Bears right now. But yeah, 16-13, I don't really want to spend any time with that game. Just a, dis- a disgusting display of football uh, that no one should have to watch, but uh, we all watch anyways because we have a sickness. And uh, on to another disgusting uh, display of football. Uh, the Colts go to London, not London, uh, Frankfurt to take on the Patriots, and boy, Talk about a juxtaposition of, of quality of football going from the uh, the Chiefs-Dolphins to the Colts-Patriots. This one was a snooze fest, folks. The final score was 10-6. Colts get the win. Patriots are now 2-8 and eight on the year. And the conversation about Bill Belichick moving on, a mutual parting of ways, is getting louder and louder by the week. Um, I Again, 
We all know my thoughts on this. You don't even necessarily have to take away the GM title. You just have to quietly hire someone. Probably at this point, it'd be preferable to hire someone from outside of the organization to take over a lot of the offensive personnel uh, stuff because, you know, one of the worst offensive lines in recent memories, uh, bad receiver group, um, bad quarterback right now. Really from top to bottom, terrible offense. Solid defense, though. Solid uh, solid defensive um, player pickups in both the draft and free agency. So, yeah, keep keep Bill Belichick on that side. Keep him GM in name, but, you know, bring in an offensive guy to uh, uh, to figure out that side of the thing. That's just, just my two cents. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can keep Bill Belichick in there. Just take away a little teensy-weensy bit of the offensive, uh, of the uh, personnel responsibilities. Uh, well, I see teensy-weensy. Just take away half. After responsibilities, man, he can still contribute. You just, you know, someone else has the final say on those things. So, yeah, that that's that was a game that happened. Colts are now five and five, very much in the playoff one, especially with the uh, the Jaguars getting pounded into, into dust this week. Um, I mean, right now, second place. I think they're only um, what's that? A, a, Game and a half back, half a game back right now. They're two losses back from the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they're one win. So I guess it's a game and a half back uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Houston Texans are are nipping at the Jacksonville Jaguars heels. Really, the only team that's out of it right now is the Tennessee Titans at three and six. Everybody else in the AFC South, um, it is an absolute shit show of a division. And there is... um, Everyone's got an opportunity to win this thing, especially with with C.J. Stroud playing the way C.J. Stroud is right now, and the the masterful coaching job that the Colts have uh, gotten from Shane Steichen. Everything's up in the air. I mean, there's no guarantee that the Jacksonville Jaguars keep reeling off wins right now. So that's something to watch. Um, just a sad, sad game though. We have credits to Shane Steichen for coming out of there with a win, but boy. Uh, you tears were rolling down the face as you uh, as you watched this one. If you were so lucky as to watch this one, well, luck being in a, a subjective term, but we move on there. Let's talk about a banger, an absolute banger of a game. Uh, one of the five games, I believe, five or six games that uh, that ended this week on a field goal as time expired to win it. Uh, this time, the Texans were the beneficiary of that. This was an absolute banger of a football game. Texans on the road at the Bengals. Uh, C.J. Stroud had another big-time performance. He had 356, a touchdown, an interception. I think he also ran for a touchdown as well. Very squarely in the MVP conversation right now is C.J. Stroud. But let's not uh, let's not overlook Devin Singletary getting 150 yards on the ground as well. As a team, Houston rushed for 188 and 5.5 yards per carry, two touchdowns uh, on the day. One of those being from C.J. Stroud. Uh, Just a really, really good offensive football game. Just going up and down the field, both of these teams. Joe Burrow, not bad in his own right. 347, uh, two touchdowns. Those two interceptions are what got him into trouble, though, unfortunately. Um, just was not enough. Not enough to keep uh, C.J. Stroud out of this thing. And we'll tell, I'll tell you right now, I mean, the Bengals are one thing. They got some stuff to figure out on the defensive side of the ball. Um, C.J. Stroud, by the way, did did lose two fumbles, so he wasn't exactly clean in this whole thing uh, either. But, man, I'll tell you what, the, the Houston Texans, man, and you look at this schedule. They got a last-place schedule right now. They got the Cardinals, uh, the Jaguars in the division. Then they got the Broncos at the Jets, at the Titans, uh, Browns, Titans again, and then at the Colts to end the season. 
very winnable games. Every single one of those games they could win uh, going down the stretch. There's not one where they're going to be um, either just heavily underdogged Heavy underdogs? Yeah, that, that's the words I'm looking for. They're not going to be heavy underdogs in any of the remaining games, uh, I would say, at this point. So, very much playoff spot on the table, and they are currently in line, I believe, for the seventh seed if the season were to end today. So, uh, C.J. Stroud, man, he has got this team absolutely juiced at the moment. And, I mean, Will Anderson, been quiet very quiet this season uh, as far as the overall like uh, uh, numbers are concerned, but got two QB hits in this one, uh, proving to be a very good player in his own right. Sheldon Rankins was the real star on this defense. Three sacks, uh, two tackles for loss, four QB hits in the game. He was a nightmare for Joe Burrow all day. The middle of that offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals continues to be a perplexing problem for him. But, I mean, hey, credit where credit is due. The Houston Texans are playing out of their minds right now. And, I mean, let's look at the numbers for C.J. Stroud on the year right now. I mean, at 2,600 yards, 26-26 uh, actually, pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff right there. Um, but 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. He is uh, 10th in the league in QBR at this moment. He is really playing really, really well. He is playing uh, fantastic so far this season. Um, very much in the MVP conversation. No one's really run away with the MVP conversation, which usually at that point start looking at position players if that's, you know, maybe be the uh, the MVP. But I'm not sure there's any one position player uh, that's playing out of their mind either outside of, I guess, maybe you could say Christian McCaffrey. But I'm not sure this has been as, as explosive of a year as it was uh, the previous season. So, Hey, C.J. Stroud, very much in the mix for that thing. Don't don't discount uh, the possibility that he comes out here and wins uh, the MVP when it's all said and done. Um, that being said, yeah, I think I've said about all I need to say about this game. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they do lose this one, but they are they're five and four. Um, very strong division, but they just came off four straight wins, so I just can't just sit here and act like. Uh, you know, they're dead in the water right now after one loss. They got a big time game on Thursday night, which, you know, spoiler alert, I got to I got to bet on that game. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But you know, stay tuned for that at the end of the episode. Uh, but, yeah, they got big games in the division this week versus the Ravens and the next week at home versus the Steelers. Uh, then at the Jaguars, Colts, Vikings, at Steelers, at Chiefs, and then Browns to end off the season. When you got Joe Burrow, every single one of those games are winnable. I'll just I'll just put it to you that way. And they're going to be favored in most of those games, I would imagine. So uh, something to keep an eye on uh, for the Bengals as well. Um, definitely not dead in the water. That was just a very impressive win by the Houston Texans on the road with a rookie quarterback, uh, Bobby Slowick. Watch out for him to be in head coaching discussions. I don't think he gets one. I don't think he gets a job this year. But um, the year after, very much so in play. I mean, hell, even this year, if someone really likes him, like, say, the Chargers, if they want a, um, an offensive head coach in there after uh, the, the, the defensive guru, Brandon Staley, hasn't quite worked out so well for him, don't be surprised if they give Bobby Slowick a call, especially if Ben Johnson's already off the board. Ben Johnson's probably the one that's going to be at the, the, the top of everyone's board, that being the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Probably could have gotten a head coaching job last year and decided to forego that. He'll be at the top of everyone's list this year because of how well that offense has played. The career revival that I think you can credit by and large to Ben Johnson um, from Jared Goff over there. 
Um, yeah, outside of that, Bobby Sloak is probably one of those next names on the list to get a head coaching job. So watch out for that. He's He's got this offense plan better than I think a lot of people expected, quite frankly. But we move on from there. Hmm. Mm, yeah, I got a little, just a, just a little bit left here. So we're going to gulp the rest down. Mm. Gotta love coffee, man. I fucking love coffee. Either way, let's celebrate, people. We got the Saints going to the Vikings and getting beat 27 to 19. Another big time performance from the pastor himself, Josh Dobbs. Uh, 268 through the air, one touchdown throwing, one touchdown running as well. Um, who was it? Alexander Madison got his head caved in. Not really. Don't, you know, don't come after me. Uh, but did get a concussion. So Ty Chandler was the leading rusher in this one with 15 carries, 45 yards. That running back situation is an absolute mess. But um, ultimately, uh, Derek Carr goes out with a head with a head injury as well. We get a hilarious touchdown pass from Jameis Winston, but also two interceptions. Um, by the way, that touchdown pass uh, ran to one side of the field, looked over to the opposite corner of the end zone, probably a 40-yard pass, give or take, like 40, uh, 40 to 45-yard pass. Maybe the only player in the NFL, not that could make that play, but that would make that throw. Um, and, yep, he did that. That's that's good Jameis for you. Bad Jameis, though, he threw a couple interceptions to go uh, along with that. Uh, got late in the game, too, so that really killed him. Ultimately, Vikings escape with a win, 27-19. They're 6-4 and four now. I bet a couple of y'all thought I was crazy. Bet y'all thought I was crazy when I said at 1-4 and four that the Vikings could end up being a 10-7 and seven football team. Well, who's laughing now, folks? Who's laughing now? We got a backup quarterback. Our quarterback, our starting quarterback's Achilles exploded. We got a, an absolute genius in there, a former NASA employee, a NASA intern, 4.0 aerospace engineering guy as our quarterback right now, the Alopecia Assassin. Love that. Love that nickname. So I'm sticking around with that for Josh Dobbs as well as the pastor. I'll just keep adding uh, nicknames to the belt here. But yeah, the Vikings are playing their asses off right now. And I mean, we got uh, more favorable games ahead of us. Uh, still got the Denver, Denver Broncos next week. Got to win that for our sixth in a row. But after that, look what we got coming up. We got the Bears. We got the Raiders. At the Bengals will be tough. And then we got the Lions, Packers, Lions again to end off the season. Obviously, got to split the series with the Lions there. Got to win at least one of those, I would say. Um, got to beat the Packers as well. But outside of the Bengals there and the Lions games, very winnable. Very, very winnable games down the stretch here. Even that Bengals game, if Brian Flores' defense keeps playing the way that he has been playing, very, very winnable game there as well. Even on the road uh, with a backup quarterback in Josh Dobbs or Jaron Hall or who happens to be, whoever, excuse me, happens to be starting by that point in the season. I mean, the ceiling is the roof, as uh, Michael Jordan once said. Uh, we're just we're just chugging along at this point, man. Hey, what if we go 13-4 and four again? Yeah? What if we win these last seven games to make it an even 12-game-in-a-row stretch uh, to end off the season, be the hottest team in the NFC going down to the end? People are saying this could happen. I mean, not a whole lot of people, mind you, but people are saying it. I'm saying it right now. I'm a person, so yeah. It uh, could be a fun down-the-stretch run for the Vikings with all that we've had coming against us. Josh Dobbs is playing well right now. I assume he has firmly planted his flag as the starter uh, going forward at this point. It would be shocked if we saw Jaron Hall uh, in any other uh, context than 
Uh, if Josh Dobbs starts playing really badly, with the way Josh Dobbs has played over the last two weeks, though, he has earned his place in the starting lineup going forward here. So I would imagine that to be the case. Uh, Justin Jefferson, maybe he comes back next week. Maybe he comes back the week after that. He will be back in the lineup very soon, though, coming off of that hamstring injury and pairing him with Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson. KJ Osborne, I assume, coming back from his concussion here sooner rather than later. We have got a squad on offense and defensively. Cannot gloss over this. Has anyone in the entire NFL done a better coordinating job this year than what Brian Flores has done with that Minnesota Vikings defense? I'm a little biased, obviously, being a Vikings fan with this whole thing, but with the dearth of talent at defensive tackle, we we're losing, uh, I think, uh, what was it, Sheldon Richardson? Richardson? I forget the guy's first name, but yeah, I think the last name uh, was Richardson. Big-time defensive tackle that we lost in free agency to the Browns uh, this past offseason. After that, I mean, uh, defensive tackles for the Vikings have not been playing well. They have consistently ranked um, towards the bottom of the league in, in pass rush win rate and similar sorts of stats. But still got the Neil Hunter out there. Uh, even with Marcus Davenport not playing, Brian Flores has blitzed like a madman, which has you know tapered off a little bit here in the last several weeks. But he makes quarterbacks and offensive coordinators completely uncomfortable and absolutely confused throughout the course of an entire football game. And when you've got three legitimately starting level safeties in the back end between obviously the hitman Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, who has been a revelation over the last two seasons, and Josh Metellus, I mean, you would talk about a revelation. This guy was full-time special teams guy, a lot like uh, like Adam Thielen on the offensive side in the past. Special teams guy that just kept working and working. Now he's a legitimate like starting-level safety in the NFL right now. I mean, with that back end, they've been able to play around with that, play around with creative blitzes. Byron Murphy's playing really well on the outside. I, Brian Flores has been the best defensive coordinator in all of football this year. No two ways about it. And that, that defense has gotten steadily better and better and better as the year has gone on. With KOC on the other side coordinating the hell out of the offense, I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again now, the ceiling is the roof for this Vikings team uh, with how well both sides of the ball have been playing down the stretch here. Now with, with Josh Dobbs at quarterback, you know, We'll see how far we can get with that uh, still being the, the case, but I I love what Minnesota's doing right now. They, they've really put together a hell of a run here, uh, going back all the way to that Bears win 19-13. By the way, the only, only team they gave up more than 20 points to was the Falcons uh, the previous week before we, we played the Saints. Everyone else... Uh, gave up 13 to the Bears, 17 to the 49ers. One of the best offenses in all football, by the way, the 49ers were. Obviously not having Debo and uh, Trent Williams in there hurts, but still only gave up 17 to the Niners. They gave up 10 to the Green Bay Packers, and they gave up 19 to the Saints uh, this past week. Not a whole lot of high-octane offense in there outside of the 49ers, but impressive performances in there uh, for a team that just could not uh, get a get a win on the defensive side of the ball for the first several weeks of the season uh, with how they, they've been playing. I mean, they gave up uh, 20 to the, the Buccaneers, who are terrible on offense generally. Um, Eagles gave up 34, gave up 28 to the Chargers, um, gave up 27 to the Chiefs. They've really rounded into form since that. So, I mean, credit to them where it is due. Uh, the Vikings are playing out of their minds right now. Saints-wise... 
I, the, the Saints are the Saints at this point. They're going to end up being either nine and eight or eight and nine. And since the NFC South is so bad, uh, they're going to be right in the thick of things for the division title when it's all said and done. But I don't. Sorry, guys. I don't. I don't really know what to make of the Saints outside of they got a really good defense and an offense that makes you want to cry every time you want to watch it because it's just not uh, not a very fun game to watch, uh, generally speaking. But hey, still five and five right now. Very much in the mix for a playoff spot. Uh, you paid Derek Carr a bunch of money, so that's you know good for y'all, I suppose. Uh, what, what are we doing on time right now? What, what are we doing? We're what forty four minutes. My goodness, we got to pick up the pace here a little bit. Uh, we can breeze through this one real quick. Packers uh, go on the road to the Steelers, and the Steelers uh, get us one of the few wins we got this week. Tough week on the board gambling, but we got a win here. Uh, Steelers won twenty three to nineteen. Jordan Love threw a late interception uh, that basically shot the Packers in the foot. I have come off my Jordan Love takes of the previous season, and um, yeah, I'm not not the only one at this point. So yeah, probably not the guy there in Green Bay going forward. I'll just I'll just put it that way. Jalen Warren, by the way, shout out 100 yards. I think his first 100 yard game of his career on 15 carries too. He was explosive all throughout this one. Um, feels like yes, Najee Harris has his uh, his uses, but ultimately, Jalen Warren is just a better back right now. There's no two ways about it. He is just the better back right now for that Steelers backfield. Um, you know, I guess guess the Steelers are getting better and better week after week. Hey, Kenny Pickett, by the way, has not turned the ball over in, I believe, five weeks at this point. He is playing some really damn good football, right? Well, not really damn good, but uh, playing winning football right now by not turning the ball over. So that is uh, that is something you can hang your hat on at the very least if, if Matt Canada isn't going to get you very many explosive plays. I digress on that front. Let's just keep it moving. Uh, Will Levis came back down to earth a little bit. I believe he was like 19 for 39 in this game. Uh, Titans uh, at Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers end up getting a win, 20 to 6. Um, yeah, Mike Evans, 143-yard game. Uh, poor guy, man. I, I Again, I really hope he gets traded to a contender here in the, in the next couple of years or he gets to leave in free agency. Um, would love to see the Bucs get better with him in the building because he's been such a stalwart for that Bucs franchise for... I mean, the better part of 10 years now at this point, but man, he deserves better. He deserves better than what he has right now. He is so good. He deserves to be on a contender. He already got a, a Super Bowl, so there is that, but get this guy another one, man. Get get this guy another Super Bowl. Bucks get the win 20-6. to six. Uh, Hey, a little bit better than I thought that would be coming into the year, but you know, no, no guarantee that Baker Mayfield won't turn into a pumpkin down the stretch, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that going forward. Uh, 49ers? Definitively back um, after after Brock Purdy spent the bye week uh, helping helping out with Harvest at his uh, his home in I believe he is from Iowa I think he is from Iowa so yeah helping out his family on the farm running a harvester out there good for him uh, comes back the very next week gets you know Trent Williams and Debo Samuel back which helps and they just blew the doors off of the Jacksonville Jaguars thirty four to three the final score on the road at the Jaguars. Both six and three teams, but some six and three teams are built a little bit differently than other six and three teams. Uh, the 49ers are proven, have proven once again that they are one of the best teams in the entire NFL right now. Brock Purdy, big time bounce back game after a lot of turnover late in games previously. Like over 11 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, just short of 300 yards on the game. George Kittle, get this stat line three receptions, 116 yards, and a touchdown on the day and Christian McCaffrey I mean like you said in the post game everyone scored but him but that that means he broke his what 
17, 18 game streak with, with a touchdown in a game. Crazy, crazy streak. It comes to an end though. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, good game in this one though. 95 yards on 16 carries. Uh, having Trent Williams back in there, big time for that offensive line. He's basically the, 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 the stir that, stir, the, the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the one I'm looking for there. But, uh, yeah, that, that Hall of Fame offensive lineman tends to help out your running game and your passing game. How, who would have thought about it? Uh, 49ers, they're every bit as good as uh, I think I think they are, and uh, people still believe they are 6-3. and three. I'd imagine they're not going to lose a whole lot of games from here on out, especially with Chase Young in the lineup. Him opposite of Nick Boza was as unfair uh, as we expected it to be. Granted, versus a kind of bad Jaguars offensive line, but... Boy, that defense is frightening. Uh, very, very frightening. Steve Wilkes down on the sideline. I'm not really sure that's the factor that helped them, but, you know, morale-wise, I, I guess it was good for them. They only gave up three to the Jacksonville Jaguars, so uh, we keep it moving from there. Ravens just had a head-scratcher, man. They were ahead the entire game. Um, Kyle Hamilton had a, a big-time pick six and really swagged his way into the end zone. Uh, really intercepted a bubble screen, which you don't see a whole lot of. He read it all the way though, and uh, and ended up getting the uh, the pick six. Uh, cool celebration as well. Thought the Ravens were going to wrap this thing up and just walk uh, to a victory here, uh, but that nasty man, really nasty off the field, but on the field, Deshaun Watson picked it up in the second half. Went 14 of 14, brought the Browns all the way back, and ultimately Dustin Hopkins gets the game-winning field goal. 33-31, the final for the Ravens. And this continues a, a streak of strange, strange games in the fourth quarter for the Ravens dating back a couple of years now of just like utter ineptitude on both sides of the ball in the fourth quarter, which it makes no sense because you'd think the way they're built, best pass rush in the league right now, best running team in the league since Lamar Jackson got there. They're a team that's built to put teams away and they keep giving up these strange fourth quarters I got no explanation for it. If you got an explanation at home, feel free to share. But I, I just don't understand. I, I simply don't understand. Um, they just, they just cough games up sometimes. I don't. I, I just don't get it. Um, but Browns get a big time win, but a big time loss as well because during this game, uh, Deshaun Watson not only suffered a high ankle sprain, which would have kept him out for uh, likely at least. Three weeks, I would say. Generally, at quarterback, it's a little bit different than ever other positions with a high ankle sprain. But that's a, that's the injury that keeps you out for a good amount of time. Uh, that's not the big kicker, though. The big kicker is the fact that he had a shoulder fracture that he sustained in this game. I believe uh, got surgery on that, or will be getting surgery on that. He is done for the rest of the season. Um, next week, Browns will be starting Dorian Thompson Robinson, which. People were some people were a little bit shocked that uh, DTR was starting over PJ Walker. PJ Walker had been getting the backup reps there uh, for a couple weeks with Deshaun Watson out, but I, I think it makes sense. Dorian Thompson Robinson, a rookie that really showed out in the preseason, uh, give him a whole week of prep, a whole week of uh, you know being acclimated to the offense. Uh, you get a little, get, you know, a couple week look at at DTR. If he plays well, if he continues to improve, keep him in there. If not, you got your answer. Go back to PJ uh, PJ Walker. Not really a big issue here. 
um, in my in my opinion. I, I get why some people were confused why P.J. Walker is going to be starting going forward, uh, or P.J. Walker wouldn't be starting going forward, but it makes sense. When you got a young guy, you already know who P.J. Walker is. We still don't really know who DTR is at the NFL level, so you got to find out. Hopefully, you, you find lightning in a bottle there, and you can keep this thing rolling. Brown's at 6-3, and three, though. Uh, the best defense in the entire league right now, I mean, in spite of what the Ravens did, the Ravens have an, a high-octane offense, especially uh, with Todd Monken in the building now and all the weapons that Lamar Jackson has to work with. Um, they're, it's going to be tough for them going forward, but they still got a, a chance with that defense. The defense will always give them a chance, that freak of nature of Miles Garrett on the other side, in addition to all the other defensive weapons they've got. Um, on the Ravens' side... Still lead the division at seven and three. It's going to be a tough road to hoe down the stretch, though, man. You got Lamar Jackson, which helps, definitely helps uh, over there. But I mean, you, they got to figure these fourth quarters out. They they really got to figure out how to not give up sixteen points in the fourth quarter to the Browns. However many points they gave up um, against the Dolphins last year, really just they got to stop shooting themselves in the foot in the biggest moments. Uh, of the game. I don't have a whole lot of concerns about them, though. The Ravens are one of the best teams in the entire league this year. Um, so it is it is unfortunate. My apologies to uh, Ronnie from Dundalk there uh, with the Ravens. Uh, if you know, you know on that one. But we'll keep it moving. We're probably pushing an hour at this point. So yeah, 52 minutes. We got, we got to keep it moving here, folks. Uh, a game that just kicked me right in the dick. Another one. Uh, we just went from one game that finished on a last-second field goal. How about another one for you? Kyler Murray returns to the lineup. Doesn't look fantastic. Kind of up-and-down play, but it had some big-time runs. Ultimately, leads a game-winning drive uh, to kick a last-second field goal. Matt Prater, you knew he was money if you need him to be. Uh, he gets that field goal uh, short at the end. Gets the win 25 to 23. The Cardinals get their second win of the season. The Falcons, by the way, fall to four and six. And the calls for uh, Arthur Smith's head are growing and growing with the Atlanta Falcons. If it were up to me, I would not fire Arthur Smith, quite frankly. But some confusing usage of Bijan Robinson of Kyle Pitts, Drake London, all of the weapons on the team that have inconsistent production. Um, people are getting a little bit upset with what uh, with what they're doing over there with the Atlanta Falcons. Also, uh, the decision to not bring in a quarterback this past offseason. Really starting to shoot him in the foot right now. Uh, Taylor Heineke, exactly who we know the him to be. Not very good. Uh, had, a, had a robust uh, 3.7 yards per attempt in this one, 8 of 15 passing for one touchdown. Actually went back to Desmond Ritter at one point uh, to, to end off the game. Still ultimately finished 12 of 21, 70 yards, 4.5 yards per attempt, one touchdown on the game as a team. You're not going to win a whole lot of games in the NFL uh, passing for under 100 yards. Even if you don't turn the ball over, you've got to do better than that. Ran the ball 41 times and got 884 yards out of it. Bijan Robinson actually ended up having a pretty solid game uh, when it was all said and done. As a as a you know Bijan Robinson fantasy owner, I can tell you that's the fact. About the only good player I had this week in fantasy, but no one cares about my fantasy team, so we'll keep him moving from there. Um, th- things are a little bit uncomfortable with the Atlanta Falcons right now. That's a that's a situation to monitor going forward. Uh, don't know if Arthur Smith is safe after this season. During the season, probably fine. Probably going to be uh, good throughout the course of the season. And I hope he keeps his job going forward because I think he deserves an opportunity 
with a legitimately good talent at quarterback, which I don't think he has right now. Um, outside of that, though, let's go to the happy side of the ball. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, maybe the loser fans that are trying to, you know, tank for a draft pick don't want him to, to, to play well, but... Hey, Kyler Murray, after almost a year off from football, 330-some days off of football, comes back, does throw an interception, which doesn't help, but ultimately gets a touchdown on the ground, goes 5.5 yards per carry, gets a big-time carry at the end of the game, too, uh, to get a, a big-time first down uh, as well, as, as well as you can expect Kyler Murray to play with kind of a depleted uh team overall. Trey McBride, the, the tight end over there, second round pick, I believe, in this year's draft, had a big time game, 131 yards. And for a guy that missed almost a year, looked as good as you can expect. I think Kyler Murray uh, kind of has a little bit of a new outlook on life after you know having the game taken away from him for, for nearly a year. Um, hopefully the maturity has gotten there a little bit more from what we've seen in past years. I think uh, this regime under Jonathan Gannon a little bit less of a shit show than what we saw under Cliff Kingsbury getting James Conner back in the lineup. I'm, I'm not going to say that the Cardinals are going to go on, on some sort of big-time playoff run here, but, I mean, uh, they beat the Falcons. They got the Texans, Rams, Steelers. 49ers are going to get blown off the field. But um, Bears and then Eagles blown off the field. Uh, then Seahawks got some winnable games coming up, man. They could reel off a couple wins, and um, – I don't know. I like. I think they're probably going to end up sticking with Kyler Murray going forward if he plays uh, like he did this past week and keeps, you know, continuing to improve on what he showed uh, this past week versus the Falcons. Um, and hey, who's to say if they're up, they're still up in that uh, that upper echelons of the draft, which is lower echelons of the league, inversely speaking. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I think they probably go with a weapon rather than than uh, drafting a quarterback up there, which. Not what a lot of the rhetoric had been around that football team up until this point. Um, like what I saw from Kyler Murray this past week. I think they got they still got something good with him. Um, still has time to live up to that big-time contract that they gave him uh, last offseason. So, again, something to watch going forward. I, I like what they're doing over there, though, uh, as far as Kyler Murray is concerned. Um, and, I, I mean, Jonathan Gannon's a weird dude, but I like him as a head coach. He's just got a terrible, terrible team. They've got to replenish that defensive side of the ball, um, keep keep going on with the, the offense, uh, replenish that side as well. But with Kyler Murray in there, they still got a quarterback. And if you got a, a solid quarterback, a quarterback who's shown very good flashes, I don't think you take a risk on a guy that's an unproven commodity coming out in the draft, be it no matter how talented he is. Uh, Kyler Murray's a former number one overall pick, too. Let, let us not forget. So I think you roll with that guy going forward, ultimately. Outside of that, uh, make sure to pause this stupid video on in the background. Uh, you know, ESPN and all that sort of stuff. I digress. Um, Lions win an absolute crazy shootout with the Chargers in this one. 41-38, another game that ended on the last second field goal. Um, Michael Badgley gets the game-winning field goal in this one. The Chargers, Charger once again, and the Lions end up covering. Uh, hey, hope you bet on it with me early in the week when it was a one-and-a-half-point line. That thing moved to three, three-and-a-half. If you got it at three-and-a-half, you lost this game. So uh, that's why it pays to bet early sometimes on these games. Win in our book, though. So Lions are now 7-2 and two on the season. Not necessarily running away with the division because the Vikings are actually nipping at their heels at this point, but I think clearly the best team in the NFC North, one of the best teams in the NFC right now, you know, probably slotting in there behind the, the Eagles and the Cowboys, I would say, but 
Unlike the Cowboys, they've shown a propensity to go into big-time atmospheres and come out with wins. Talk about the opening night of the season versus the Chiefs. They went in there, uh, got a gutsy win at the ring ceremony, no less, uh, for the Lions or for the, the, the Chiefs. They go in there, they get a win. Uh, a, a depleted Chiefs team, albeit not having Chris Jones in there and Travis Kelsey uh, not being in there either, but a win is a win in that situation. I'd still, I mean, either there are two or three in the conference right now, either right behind the Cowboys or right ahead of the Cowboys. They're kind of neck and neck in my mind as far as the uh, the NFC power rankings at this point. But, I mean, the, the defense got torched in this one, but sometimes when you go up against Justin Herbert, these things happen. It, it is what it is. No, no need to worry about it in the long run, though. I mean, they got a dynamic running game, a hot young offensive coordinator, just a good-looking boy over there, uh, Ben Johnson. Uh, also very good at his job as as well. Don't no need to take away from that. Uh, very very good at his job. Got Jared Goff playing the best football of his career. Jared Goff, by the way, made some clutch throws in this game. Answered late with a touchdown uh, to to you know at least tie it. Maybe go ahead. I can't quite remember. Uh, believe it or not, I wasn't watching this game because I was at work during it. Won't be the case this Sunday though, boy. I have got a day off. The next two football days, in fact, uh, Sunday. And on Thanksgiving, your boys got off, man. Oh, how blessed am I? How how blessed am I to get days off that everyone else in the country usually gets by default? But I digress on that front as well. It was just a, a good gutsy win uh, by the Lions. And yet another one where the Chargers had it in their grasp, but the utter ineptitude on defense uh, cost them when it was all said and done. Uh, they are just simply too average uh, having this uh, this one of the great QBs in in the uh, entire league right now, Justin Herbert on their roster, it's it's inexcusable to be as average as they are with how great the offense is, uh, and you expect more from that defense um, with a quote unquote defensive guru as your head coach. Uh, yeah, I continue to believe Brandon Staley is a dead man walking over there uh, with the uh, LA Chargers. But it is what it is for now. Uh, good gutsy win for the Lions. 7-2 and two at this point. Playing really, really good football. Uh, running the ball, passing the ball, doing basically whatever they want on the offensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, I'll leave it there. I'm starting to talk in circles, so we don't got time for that. Oh, man. I, Fox is on my shit list this week, folks. Uh, Giants versus Cowboys. This game was over at halftime. It was it was 28 nothing at halftime. Um, credit to Dak Prescott, had one of the better games of his career, 404, uh, I think five total touchdowns in this game, four through the air, uh, I think one on the ground, I, I could be totally wrong on that too, let me, let me make, make sure, yeah, five total touchdowns in the day, 11 and a half yards uh, per attempt in this one, just absolutely slinging the pill, 26-35, 404, four touchdowns, one interception, Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb went out of their minds. And um, I'll tell you what, Fox milked every single last goddamn second out of this game. There was a one-score game going on between the Seahawks and whoever the fuck the Seahawks, the, the, the Commanders. Between the Seahawks and Commanders, there was a one-point game going on, on on Fox Airwaves that was not the Dallas Cowboys who were beating the ever-holy sh- shit out of the, the Giants. And uh, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit... In, in a house all by myself, you know, don't have uh, people to, to worry about uh, upsetting. I was screaming at my TV, change the fucking game. Change it over. It, it was a 30-point game basically the entire half. And they didn't change the game over from the Dallas Cowboys until like basically three minutes left in the game. I'm like, what are you doing? 
What the fuck are you doing? There's a better game on TV right now, but oh, you got to got to milk the Giants and Cowboys money for all it's worth because people are going to change channel if you switch to a better game. Just pussy shit. Just fucking abject terrible shit. And this is this is the most I've cussed the entire thing cuz I'm still upset about it. I missed most of the Seahawks game. And uh, granted, I I you know, tuned in for the best part. I mean, another game-winning field goal over there. It's in, incredible finish to that game, uh, if I do say so, but still Pissed that they stayed on this game for as long as they did. Um, ultimately, I can summarize it by saying Cowboys, very good against bad teams. A little preview to uh, my bet segment at the end of this episode. And Giants stink. I mean, Tommy DeVito uh, still lives at home with his parents. Uh, you know, don't throw, don't be throwing uh, stones when living in glass houses. So I'm not going to say too much about that. Uh, that being said... Uh, I do my own laundry. I make my own bed at the very least. I don't make it very often, but I make my own bed. So yeah, that's uh, you know something to keep in mind there. Other than that, he stinks at football. Uh, 3.2 yards per attempt in this game. Um, yeah, what else is there to say? What else is there to say right now, man? I mean, Dallas, Cowboys good, Giants bad. Let's move on. Let's move on from here. I got I to gotta go back a little bit. Um, yeah, Commies at Seahawks, the game I alluded to there uh, just briefly. Uh, the commies go into the, the Seahawks land and the Seahawks get the win 29 to 26, but not for a lack of effort there by the commies. I mean, Sam Howell was slinging the ball down the stretch here. Um, ended up, I mean, 29 of 44, 312, three touchdowns, no interceptions on the day. Did lose one fumble, but I mean, only, only sacked three times, which he's not getting sacked as much as he was at the beginning of, of this season. I'll tell you that right now. He's really steadily improved on that front and really is showing these Commanders fans uh, something that they haven't seen in quite a while, which is quality quarterback play uh, with Eric Bieniemy coordinating that whole thing. Might end up being a promotion to the head coaching role uh, once Ron Rivera inevitably gets fired at the end of this whole thing. A different story for a different day, though. All things considered, on offense, uh, the Commanders did everything they possibly could to win this game. The problem is you just gave Geno Smith too much time to work with down the stretch. Uh, Seahawks go on a game-winning drive, and with zero seconds on the clock, uh, I think it's Jason Myers. uh, Jason Myers? Jason Myers. Yep, Jason Myers, the field goal kicker, hit his fifth field goal of the day. This one to seal it. 29-26. 29 to 26. Thought we were going overtime. No, sir. No, no, siree, Bob. Didn't get a cover on that game because, you know, I was, I was down bad, folks. I was trying to, to win money back uh, after the, the terrible weekend that was gambling. Doesn't quite work that way sometimes, and the Seahawks let me down. Uh, but they end up getting the win. 29 to 26. They're now 6 and 3 on the year. Still not entirely sure how good they are, uh, quite frankly. I, don't, I just don't know if they're that great of a football team, but. Young football team, you know, coming on at a good time here. Jackson Smith and Jigba starting to really play well here uh, down the stretch. He had four big catches for 53 yards in this one. Uh, Kenneth Walker, beast. What more is there to say about him? I mean, they got a solid football team, a playoff team, especially in the NFC. So, uh, you know, team to keep an eye on. I don't think they're going to make a whole lot of waves in the postseason, but quality football team, quality football team to say the least. And the Commanders. At the, at the very least, you're going to have a new head coach, new GM at the end of the year because the owner wants to bring in, in his own guys. So got that to look forward to. Not sure you're going to be a playoff team, though, when it's all said and done. Four and six for the commies at the end of this whole thing. And uh, another sad uh, sad primetime game, the Jets versus the Raiders. 
Um, man, Zach Wilson stinks. I, for all the good, and people are talking about firing Nathaniel Hackett. Boy, if y'all don't shut the hell up, I, with what he has done with Zach Wilson, he has schemed around Zach Wilson being utter booty cheeks this entire season. He did it again in this one for the most part. He just couldn't do it for the entire game. Ultimately, what cost the, the Jets the game in all likelihood after a really good drive was going on for the, for the um, for the Jets down the stretch, I think had him in, in Raiders territory. Zach Wilson just throws one directly to Robert Spillane, hits him right in the chest. Maybe the thickest neck in the entire league right now uh, gets an interception there. Um, according to Antonio Pierce, the guy you can build the franchise around, Bob Spillane, uh, basically a veteran minimum guy uh, you got off of the, the free agency last year. Wild, wild statement there, but I digress on that front. Um, Zach Wilson throws him the ball uh, directly to his chest. And, um, you know, you get a Hail Mary that, I mean, Garrett Wilson could have very easily caught. Actually had a teammate ended up batting it, batting it down. Uh, that ultimately, that interception cost the Jets the game. Uh, the Raiders win a just a, a tear-jerkingly terrible one, 16-12. Uh, to 12. Uh, Raiders now 5-5, five and five, very, very much in the mix for the AFC playoffs. That 7 seed, the race for that 7 seed is going to get very, very interesting because there are a plethora of teams in the hunt there in the NFC. That should be an interesting one to watch. Someone's going to get left out when it's all said and done. But, I mean, hey, credit to Antonio Pierce. He has got these boys playing since taking over as the head coach. Obviously, playing like you would expect a uh, defensive uh, assistant-led team uh, to play. Um, Very run-heavy. Also with a, a rookie quarterback. Makes a lot of sense. And against a defense like the Jets makes a lot of sense. But, a stout front seven they're running into. They get 148 yards on the ground, 4.6 yards per carry as a team. They don't get a touchdown, mind you, but good enough to win this game. And Josh Jacobs really reeling off a, a couple solid games in a row since uh, Antonio Pierce took over. That's uh, 98 yards and 116 yards, the two best outputs of the season in the last two games. Two highest uh, touches in, the, in a game the last two weeks as well. I think they... They, they stopped messing around. They, they they stopped messing around once Josh McDaniels was no longer in the building. They're like, okay, who are our best players? We've got Devontae Adams and we got Josh Jacobs. Well, Devontae Adams had the most receptions on the team this past week. Uh, Josh Jacobs got 27 carries uh, as well. So uh, you don't need to overcomplicate these things, folks. Sometimes you just need to feed your best players uh, the rock at all costs. So... Get the win there. They've got some uh, some winnable games coming up here. Uh, Giants already playing that. Never mind. Uh, at the Dolphins, probably going to lose that one. But that Vegas line at thirteen and a half. I think they might cover that one. Not going to put any of my money on that because the Dolphins have shown a, a propensity to uh, blow teams out of the water who they are, they outmatch. But it could be an interesting game there. But uh, Chiefs, Vikings, Chargers, Chiefs, Colts, and Broncos. That's actually a little bit harder than I thought. Uh, so they're they're facing an uphill battle, but. I love what you're seeing from Antonio Pierce and this uh, this team over there with the Raiders. Uh, Jets-wise, I mean, Aaron Rodgers talking about coming back uh, mid-December, probably more towards late December. But still, if they're in the hunt, if they're still in a, in a playoff position, maybe get Aaron Rodgers back. And, hey, maybe we could be so lucky as to watch an Achilles explode on live television. That could be interesting. Could, could be, I mean, I wouldn't say fun, but you, know, you could get the opportunity to, to witness that if you're still – um, in the hunt at the end of this thing. Um, yeah, the Jets, though, 
Man, that defense deserves so much better. Uh, I, I don't want to harp on the kid too much, but Zach Wilson is just not it. Just simply not it. And you, firing, firing Nathaniel Hackett would just be cutting your nose off to spite your face. Just I, you, you, you can't be helped but be impressed with what he has done, uh, with what Nathaniel Hackett has done throughout the course of this season. And maybe you want to throw it a little bit less with Zach Wilson. I mean, that that's a, a, a worthy sort of uh, uh, quibble to make there. Maybe you give the rock to Brees Hall a little bit more. Probably would help out a little bit, but... I mean, with with what he's done this season with Zach Wilson, I think you got to give him a lot of credit for uh, scheming around just how bad the kid is at playing quarterback at the NFL level. That's just I, I I'm done with it. I hopefully Aaron Rodgers comes back so I don't have to watch Zach Wilson anymore. Quite frankly, I mean, give Garrett Wilson a run at quarterback. He had one terrible pass in this game, but hey, give him a run. I mean, can't be that much worse than what Zach Wilson is doing over there. But I'll. I'll end this off by saying that defense deserves better for New York. That defense is, it's must-watch TV every time out there. I mean, C.J. Mosley had 14 tackles in this game. Absolute freak. Uh, three tack. I mean, they, they just, they get tackles for loss. They get sacks. They get hits on the quarterback. They, they're all over the field. They're playing their asses off every single time out there. And their offense just <laughs> all over the field on the other side of the ball. They just, they deserve better. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, with that said, um, let me pull up the uh, NFL lines for uh, week 11. Yeah, week 11. Let's see here. Uh, I got to add in another caveat there. Yep. Pull that up right this second. Ah, uh, yes, here we go. Here we go. Uh, Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I'm just... I'm all over the place right now. You know, bring all this up, all markets. There we go. And starting on Thursday night, I get you a bet right out of the gates here. Um, right now, looking at the line itself, Ravens are favored by three and a half across the board uh, over the Bengals at home versus the Bengals. And finally, after after the absolute god awful shit show we had to list, uh, witness last week between the Panthers and the Chicago Bears. We get some high-octane, high-level football here between the Bengals and the Ravens. I've got no lean on that one either way. I think the line is pretty much right about right. I think the Ravens should be favored. Not by too much, though, because the Bengals are very, very good, and it's an interdivisional matchup. Things get weird inter interdivisionally. Uh, but where I am looking at is that over-under. It is also 46 across the board. And a uh, little, little tidbit for you. Primetime unders after that Monday night game are now... 25 and 7 on the season to the under. Therefore, at 46, finally got an under that I feel good about. I'm taking the under at 46 as one of my, my bets. Very rare that I pick an under on this show, but the trend is just too strong not to hop on. And I think uh, both these defenses are going to play well against both of these offenses. So I'm taking that under uh, 46 points uh, in this game. Outside of that, we move on to the 1 o'clock games on Sunday. Uh, Titans at the Jaguars. Um, it's minus 7 in most places at MGM. Um, yeah, basically just MGM. You can get a 6.5 if you're looking to bet on the Jaguars. Um, 
I, I don't know, man. I feel like Mike Vrabel has got it dialed in the division, so I don't I don't have a great feel on this one. Jaguars are a team that's been floundering a little bit of late, especially last week against the 49ers, so I don't feel great about that one. Obviously, I'm picking the Jaguars to win. Not sure about the cover on that one uh, very much. Over-under is 40. I'd, uh, 40, and a, 40 and a half, actually. Uh, yeah, you can get a 40 and a half at FanDuel right now. 40 everywhere else. I would lean the under on that even. I just think that this is a game where uh, this this feels like a Mike Vrabel special coming on where no one's going to score a whole lot of points and it's going to be a close game to the very end. So I would lean the under at 40, 40 and a half. Just too low of a number for me to hop on. Uh, so we'll keep it moving from there. Um, Chargers at the Packers. It is uh, minus three to the Chargers pretty much across the board. And literally, if it was any other team than the Chargers, I would take the Chargers in this one, but I'll die before I bet money on the Chargers, quite frankly. So I'll I'll pick them in just a general sense to uh, to win this game and to cover. Uh, but I'm not putting any money on that because, again, I will die before I bet money on a Chargers spread. And I'll tell you that right now. Uh, over under, uh, you can get a 43 and a half at FanDuel right now if you're looking to bet the over. 44 everywhere else if you're looking to bet the under. I. No great feel on that one either way. It feels like that number is just about dead on the money, I would imagine. Um, Giants at the Commies. You can get a pretty good range of, uh, of numbers here. It's 9.5 in most places, but you can get a 9 at DraftKings and Caesars. Also, Rivers. Uh, you can actually get an 8.5 at points bet right now. So if you're looking to bet the Commanders right now, which is the, the only smart bet in this game... Um, probably go ahead and, and lay the points at points bet. Uh, other than that, though, I just feel, I mean, the Giants are just in free fall mode. So long as the Italian Stallion, Tommy DeVito, is starting for them, um, I have no faith in them to cover any spread ever. So I would lean the commanders here. I'm a, in, in a general sense, once again, I need to stop doing the leans, just, you know, just do picks. I'm not betting on it, but I am picking the commanders to win and cover this game. I just feel like after that close loss they had last week versus Seattle coming back home, I think they're going to have a big game in this one, especially against the, a Giants team that just looks hapless week after week. Um, Over-under is 37 in most places. You get 36.5 at FanDuel right now. Only place you can get a 36.5, though, if you're looking to bet the over for whatever reason. Um, I, no great feel on that one. I don't. Maybe the Giants score a, a touchdown here and there. I don't, I don't know, man. I feel like the, the commanders are going to run it up and not give up a whole lot of points, though. There, there's a reason why they're my starting defense in fantasy this week, which, again, no one cares about my fantasy team, but we keep it moving from there. Uh, Raiders at the Dolphins. Um, 13 and a half in, in most places. I think Fandle's all the way down to 12 and a half, actually. Uh, you can also get a 13 at, uh, at Caesars. I'd actually lean the Raiders in this one. I feel like... Uh, they've been doing enough here over the last couple weeks to where, um, you know, I think they probably keep this game close. Obviously, I got the Dolphins to win. I'd be a fool not to have the Dolphins winning in this one. But as far as uh, who covers, I think probably the Raiders end up covering. Not going to bet anything on that one because I can also see the Dolphins coming out here and winning by 30. But just generally speaking, I think it's going to be a closer game than, than Vegas expects in this one. So I, I would take the Raiders 13 and a half. Not going to bet that, but that's who I would take. Over-unders 46 and a half. By virtue of the Dolphins offense alone, I would I would probably take the over, but I'm staying away from that. I've, I've learned that these over-unders in the NFL 
are about as much of a crapshoot as you can you can possibly imagine. So I'm I'm staying away from most of them generally. Uh, but yeah, 46 and, 46 and a half, I would generally pick the over. Um, Cardinals at the Texans. Uh, you can get uh, pretty good range of numbers here. You get a four and a half at FanDuel right now. Might want to jump on that one. That one's probably going to move to five here uh, if you're looking to bet on the Texans. Outside of that, though, there is a plus five and a half at MGM right now, and then it's plus five every or minus five, whichever one you look at uh, everywhere else. All in favor of the Texans, obviously. Uh, we get a good, good range of numbers there, so so shop around. Um, yeah, give me the Texans in this one. I, I just love how C.J. Stroud is playing. I, again, not betting any money on this, but but give me the Texans to win. And cover at uh, at four and a half there. I would I would like that. That would, that would be good. Well, I don't really care either way. I'm not a, not a fan of either of these teams. But yeah, I mean, it could be interesting. As far as the over under, uh, forty eight and a half in most places. Well, I'm really forty eight and a half in a couple places. You got it at FanDuel. You got it at uh, DraftKings. And you got it at PointsBet or actually Rivers right now. And everywhere else has got a forty nine. So you know, shop around there as well. I would, I'd, uh, I'd take the over in this one again. Not betting on it just because over unders are such a crapshoot at the NFL level, but I take the over at uh, at forty eight and a half. Quite frankly, I feel like there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think Kyler Murray is starting to, uh, you know, probably he's probably going to get better every single week. I would imagine. I think he's going to start rounding into form here. And with the way that Texans offense is playing with C.J. Stroud, I, I love the over here in the in this spot. Not not enough to actually bet it, but I love the over here in this spot. Um, Bears at the Lions. Uh, get good range of numbers here as well. You get a eight and a half at FanDuel. That's probably the biggest number, but it's, uh, you get a seven and a half as well at, um, at MGM. So if you're looking to bet on the Lions or looking to bet on the Bears, rather, you get that eight, that sweet plus eight and a half at FanDuel. Uh, if you're looking to bet on the Lions, minus seven and a half at MGM is probably your best bet. I'm gonna pick the, the Lions to cover that seven and a half. I'm not betting that though. I don't. I don't feel good about that at all. I just feel. I don't know. Justin Fields coming back. It's in the division. I feel good about the Lions, but it's it's a big number. It's a big number in an NFL game. So I'm I'm not entirely sure on that one. Uh, quite frankly, and I feel like the Bears have like sneakily been playing better here over the last several weeks. I mean, they play a god awful brand of football, but. They've been winning some games here of late. I mean, they're probably a little bit better than they were last year, which isn't saying much. They were a terrible team last year, but I, you know, I just, I just feel, I mean, better than I did about the Bears. I'll, I'll just put it that way. But as I've said before, uh, Dan Campbell is one of the best in the entire league since he came in uh, to that Lions job at covering spreads, and it's the same thing this year. So um, this is kind of bordered on a, on a bet for me. Um, right now, though, I'm I'm going with I, I'm you know just picking the Lions, not betting money on them, but picking the Lions uh, to cover this one and win the game. Um, over under forty eight in most places right now. You can get a forty seven and a half at Fanduel and points bets. I would uh, I guess I'd take the uh, the over. I, I feel good about the well. Actually, shit, I don't know how how much the Bears can score. So yeah, you know, actually, I'd lean the under. Which tells you, I'm not betting any money on that, but I'd probably take the under at 48. Um, Steelers at the Browns. This is a razor thin uh, line. Hope you bet on it at plus four uh, with the Steelers at the, the start of the week. Uh, with the Deshaun Watson injury news coming out, that has dropped to. I mean, it's a it's basically a pick 'em at points bet right now. It's minus a half in in favor of the Browns. 
Um, you can get a, a plus one and a half now still at FanDuel. It's minus 120 though, so by the time this episode comes out, might be all the way up to, uh, might be down to, to one uh, when it's all said and done. If, sorry about that. If you should have bet it earlier this week, should have bet with me, quite frankly. Uh, but yeah, obviously, already already bet the Steelers at plus four. So I feel good about the Steelers coming in and winning this game, quite frankly. Mike Tomlin, as an underdog, absolute assassin. So love that line. The over-under is disgusting right now. I mean, it's uh, you can get a... Um, a 32 and a half at FanDuel if you're looking to bet the over for some sick reason. Um, 33 basically everywhere else. And I mean, that's that's an Iowa over under number right there. That's just hilarious. But um, I mean, for the sake of football, I, I would lean towards the over. But these are two really, really good defenses with two quarterbacks. Well, really, I think Matt Canada kind of holds down the entire offense there for the Steelers to a certain extent. But uh, starting a rookie there versus a vaunted defense like the Steelers there for the Browns. I feel like it's going to be tough sledding on both of these. So I would probably take the under there. Um, I'm not going to bet it because that number is entirely too low, but I guess I would take the under there when it's all said and done. Um, Cowboys at the Panthers. Cowboys favor bat 10.5 across the board. I think pretty much every book has this at 10.5. And this is another one of my bets. I just feel like the Cowboys, I have a pretty good idea who they are right now. Whenever they face up against a really good team, don't stay away from that. You have no idea what's going to happen. When they face a team like the Panthers, though, you saw it last week with the Giants. Um, they are going to obliterate that team. I feel very, fairly certain about that. The only exception uh, being the Cardinals, who have been a little bit frisky throughout this, this season, especially early on in the year, and that was right after they lost Trayvon Diggs. So I feel very confident in this, so therefore I am adding the the Cowboys minus 10.5. They may win by 30 this week, quite frankly. I I feel very good about that bet, therefore I am adding it to the slate. Over-under is, uh, you can get 42 in most places. You get a 41.5 at uh, FanDuel if you're looking to bet the over. 42.5 at DraftKings if you're looking to bet the under, uh, I would say. Um, I'd still probably lean the under because I have no faith in the Panthers to score any points at any given time. So I'd probably take the under, not betting any money on that though, uh, to say the least. Um, Buccaneers at the 49ers. 49ers favored by 11.5 in most places. You can get a 12 at DraftKings uh, points bets. And uh, yeah, those are the two places you can get a 12 at right now. Um, I would probably pick the 49ers to win and cover. Um, just I, 49ers are starting to head back in that right direction right now. They got back off the schneid last week uh, versus the the Jaguars. Now at home, um, just coming off of a 30-point win versus a better football team. Yeah, yeah, I think the 49ers are going to do it again versus the, uh, the Buccaneers. Uh, don't feel good enough about that to actually bet on it in a public fashion. But, hey, maybe I privately put a little bit of, uh, put a few shekels on it. Uh, probably not, but we'll see. We're dire straits right now in the uh, in the balance for my uh, for my 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 sportsbook account. But different story for a different time. We're doing okay enough, folks. We're not we're not losing money hand over fist on these things. We're five hundred on the year. Just give it a break. Ah, all right. So other four o'clock game: the Seahawks at the Rams. You rem- you may remember in the first game of the season. Uh, Aaron Donald getting into Geno Smith's face and Geno Smith saying, oh my God. And uh, yeah, throwing the ball in the dirt. Seahawks got demolished in game one of the season uh, versus the Rams. And therefore the line is set accordingly. 
Uh, Seahawks still favored, but only favored by one this time uh, across the board pretty much. Um, I feel like the Rams just play really, really well in the division. I don't have a great feel on this one. I don't think the Rams are very good, but I don't have a great feel on this uh, overall. I am guess, you know, for the sake of the, the pick segment, um, I'm not betting on it, but I would, I bet this, well, I pick the Seahawks minus one. I'm just a better football team, but things get weird in, in the division. You saw it in the very first matchup between these teams this season. I uh, could very easily see it again this time around. So I've not bet any money on it, but Seahawks are the pick there. Um, over under 46 and a half in most places. You can get a 46 uh, flat at uh, Caesars and DraftKings at the moment. Uh, everywhere else has moved to 46 and a half. I'm going to take the over. I, I really like this. Um, um, I guess I don't really love it, but... Um, if the Rams can score some points here, I think the Seahawks are going to do their part. So 46, I, I like that number. Uh, again, not not adding it to the bet slip, but I, I will pick the 46 for the sake of the pick segment. Uh, next, next 4 o'clock game, uh, Jets at the Bills. Bills favored by 7 pretty much across the board. I like the Jets in this spot. I'm not adding it to the, uh, to, to the best bets, but... I just feel like the Jets are going to keep this game close. I, they just they just get into rock fights. That defense puts them in rock fights every single week. Um, turnover at the offensive uh, coordinator position for the Bills. I don't think that's going to help them very much. Ooh, I got to plug in my got to plug in my computer, otherwise this thing's going to die on me. Uh, all right, so yeah, I, I take the Jets there. Maybe I end up betting my own hard-earned money on that. I'm not going to add it to the bet slip though uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, either 40 or 39 and a half kind of evenly split as far as who has what there. So I'd, I'd probably lean the under. I just Jets just play under football. That's that's kind of what they do, um, but not really feeling good enough to add that to the bet slip. So we keep it moving. Final two games, uh, Vikings at the Broncos. Broncos currently favored by two and a half across the board. Obviously, you know, I'm feeling the Vikings in this one. They are on quite a heater at this moment. Yes, Vance Joseph's defense is playing better. Yes, it is Josh Dobbs in his third game with the uh, Vikings. A good two and a half weeks, I suppose, in with the team. Playing very well, though, and that that maybe Justin Jefferson comes back. We'll see how it works out there. Being kind of cagey about it, but it feels like either this week or next week, Justin Jefferson will be back. I just feel like the Vikings have a better team right now. Maybe that's, vi- maybe that's bias. That's also why I don't bet on my own team, though. So, my pick is the Vikings. Maybe that's a little bit of bias, but also I think it's going to be a good game. I feel like the, the Broncos can keep this thing close, and uh, can, I think they could very easily stone us on the ground. So uh, we'll have to see what the Vikings do. I like the Vikings to win that game, though. I've been For, what, six straight games? They're on a heater right now. Absolute heater of all heaters. Um, and the game of the week, they finally got it right on a night game. Uh, really a whole slate of night games. I think everything, I mean, from, from Bengals, Ravens to Vikings, Broncos to now Eagles, Chiefs, they really got them all right, quite frankly. And after last week's slate of night games, boy, this is a good refresher. Good, good refresher. But on the Monday night game, Eagles at the Chiefs. Um, you can get a three at points bet if you're looking to bet on the Eagles. It's two and a half everywhere else it looks like, though. Um, and, hmm. This is a tough one. This is a really, really tough one. Um, I feel like the Chiefs, you know, if ta- here's my caveat. If Taylor Swift is in, in attendance, which she does seem to be 
uh, in attendance or you know planning to be in attendance, I will take the Chiefs at minus two and a half. If she is not, I am taking the Eagles at plus two and a half. That's just the way the cookie crumbles, all right? So sue me. Sue me. There you have it. Um, Over-under is 45 and a half across the board. I'd lean the over. I feel like there's going to be some points in this game. I feel like the Eagles can score some points. And yes, Chiefs defense is the best one that Patrick Mahomes has ever had uh, since he has been a Chief. But I feel like if if the Chiefs want to win this game, they're going to have to score some points. And I think there's going to be some points in this game. I think it's going to be a really entertaining Monday night game. So I'll take that over at 45 and a half, just flying in the face of uh, of the trend of 25 and 7 on the night games unders uh but there you go there you have it i'm not adding that to the to the bet slip by the way either that's just you know my my personal pick uh for the game but there is the whole slates let me get you out of here with i believe i have yep two more bets to add on the college side of things so already got five let's recap what we got on the board right now so Already picked Iowa, minus three and a half versus Illinois. I think that might have dropped to three over the night. So you can still get that at a fairly good number. Uh, Oklahoma State, minus seven at Houston. We got that as well. Locked in Steelers at plus four. Sorry if you didn't get in early. You're not going to get that one at all. Sorry about it. Um, Also got the Bengals-Ravens under 46. The Cowboys, minus 10 at the Panthers. And now we are adding Colorado at Washington State. Disgusting, disgusting display of football uh, between both of these teams over the last several weeks. Washington State has lost six straight. Colorado has not fared much better over the last several weeks, but neither of these teams can you know, defend a damn fly on the other side, and both these offenses are solid. So I'm taking the over at 64 points. Uh, and Ole Miss, briefly, briefly alluded to it uh, in the preview segment at the end of uh, last episode, in the college football episode, I think they're facing like UL Monroe or someone like that. Uh, They're favored by 37 and a half. It feels like through the history of Ole Miss, uh, they just bury teams like this. I mean, they scored 70 on Mercer earlier in the season. uh, So I take a minus 37 and a half. That's a big time line. They could win by 50 this week, quite frankly. I would not be shocked at all, especially coming off of a big time loss at Georgia. I just think Ole Miss is going to bounce back and they're going to win in a big time way. So there you have it. One more time all the way through. I got Iowa minus three and a half, Oklahoma State minus seven, Steelers plus four, Colorado, Washington State over 64 points, Ole Miss minus 37 and a half, Bengals, Ravens under 46, Cowboys minus 10 and a half. And there you have it. Those are my seven bets. And that has been unqualified analysis. Thank you so much for tuning into unqualified analysis, folks. I mean, you know, a brisk hour and a half in this one, hour 35 minutes before when it's all said and done. But yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to unqualified analysis. Subscribe wherever you're listening, be that on uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, you know, YouTube, uh, Amazon, if you're looking to get a little bit spicy with things, um, you know, subscribe anywhere you're listening to this thing. Also follow me on Twitter at Caleb Burzak. And you know, while you're there, Shoot me a DM if you want to add something to the show, you know, reply, comment, say that I sent you there. I'll thank you. I'll probably think you're a weirdo for saying that sort of thing in my tweets that hardly ever get any comments, but hey, much appreciated, much appreciated if you decide to follow me over there. Um, So yeah, if you want to contact the show, either shoot me a DM or go to the email unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Both my Twitter and the email will be in the description so you don't have to spell uh, anything out. I got all the hard work done for you there, folks. Um, but yeah, outside of that, thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. As always, I have got 
No clue what I am talking about, but one thing I learned this week, and uh, boy, this is this is a doozy, folks. This is this is a good one. Going on a little bit of a, uh, a fall of the Aztecs sort of uh, history kick here recently. I mean, mostly just the podcast I'm listening to and what they decide to cover, but uh, learned some fun stuff about the Mexica, uh, that, who are you know the. The people of Mexico and Central America kind of lumped together as the quote-unquote Aztecs during that time. There was a bunch of different city-states and states in general. It's, you know, don't need to belabor that point. But at the spring equinox, the Mexica, more commonly lumped in with the Aztecs in Western history, yada, 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 would have a festival in honor of the god Chipitotec, the flayed one, who, you know, called the flayed one because, you know, he's the god of fertility. Uh, he'd flay off his skin and feed it to people, you know, that would breed life and all that sort of things. Terrifying, terrifying guy to say the least. Uh, he was the god of fertility in their region. As part of the festival at the spring equinox, um, prisoners would fight gladiatorial style battles to the death as sacrifices to the god Chippy Totec. Um, then their skins would be flayed off and worn by priests of Chippy Totec. Uh, for three weeks, wear those skins for three weeks, get nice and rank in those skins. And during those three weeks, the priests would essentially go door to door, um, collecting tributes and stabbing themselves in the penis. Um, and you think this would horrify the, uh, the surrounding populace, but, uh, uh quite to the contrary, uh, parents would send their kids out, you know, like they didn't have pictures back then. I mean, hey, go, go hug those guys in the, in the terrifying masks of human skin uh, that they're wearing right now, they're wearing like capes or cloaks right now. And uh, yep, at the end of that whole thing, they would put those skins in a nice, like nice sealed sarcophagus to not let the, the stink out. And uh, there you have it. There, there's the, there's the festival of Chippy Totec in uh, the spring equinox. Wouldn't, would that be a fun uh, event to go to? Boy, boy, howdy, would that be a fun event to go to there, folks. But uh, that, there you go. Hopefully that haunts your nightmares, those images for the rest of the night. And uh, I'll talk to you all on Tuesday, I suppose. Have a good weekend of football, folks.